0: Hey everybody, welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week we love to take our stories and our experiences and use them to inform and equip those who are coming behind us. Or maybe make those that are in the same season that we are feel a little more seen, a little more understood, and a little less lonely. Now, for all my people pleasers, here's what I need. I need you to turn it up. I need you to make the space and lean in here with me for a second. If you have ever found yourself shape-shifting or becoming who someone else needs you to be, saying yes when deep inside you really want to say no, if you find yourself completely at a loss when someone asks, what do you really want? You are in the best place to discover the best of you with our friend Dr. Allison Cook. When I say this woman, and more specifically her most recent book, The Best of You, break free from painful patterns, mend your past, and discover your true self in God. When I say that she, along with this book, have made me better every time that I have taken the time to listen and to apply what I have read and what I have heard, to do the exercises that come along with it, I really do unearth and discover other parts of me that I didn't know were there and that were honestly like underlying reasons for some of my reactions and responses that didn't always make sense or that really annoyed me that I would do. She uses the word freedom several times on this episode. And she's describing what it feels like to really know who you are, to stop letting shame or guilt make your decisions, but instead, let who God made you to be Living in the purpose he set before you, guide your direction and decisions. This book, I'm telling you, the best of you, it's worth every penny. And I'm not even, listen, I'm not even paid to say that. I just, when I read this book, I I told everyone about it. I, I couldn't stop talking about it because of the clarity it brought. So hopefully after this episode with one of my favorite people, you'll feel the same way. Here's for when trying to make everyone happy makes you miserable. Allison, so I think last time we talked, we were just in the first little bit of the pandemic. You had just moved to like the country. Where did you move to? You like Wyoming. Wyoming. I remember being like, you really did just say I'm done here. I'm going. Uh I'm out of here. Yeah. Were you already writing your newest book, The Best of You at that point? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a story. And I tell it in the introduction very briefly. Um, Maybe it'll become more of a book next time. But I started getting the idea for that summer, the first of the pandemic we were in Wyoming and the idea started to come. I was blogging about it and I had a stroke and everything I wanted to write about got put to the test for about four months Mm. Um, because I had to go through my own process. I was okay physically, but I had to go through my own process of, processing a trauma what does it mean to heal what does it mean, you know and so I write in my introduction I'm like this book came out of you know I had the idea that I immediately it was like okay now you're gonna have to practice everything you want to teach mm. I took like four or five months off and then I wrote the book um, because frankly it kind of came out of that place of this is what I learned through hard-earned wisdom
0: mm, mm. yeah and I mean isn't it when it has to to use an old phrase, like when the rubber meets the road and you're like, I can believe all this for you. That's easy. Like here, let me, let me tell you all of these things and I'm going to really believe it for you. But when it has to be for you, it's just the amount of conversations I've had over the past like year or two where it's been exactly that. And people will turn my words around on me. And I'm like, well, now that's not why I said those words. Those are just (laughs) for you. Like that's supposed to just apply to you. Um, What is maybe, some of the most surprising things that you learned about yourself as you had to turn your words back and really test them Yay. and and see the truth of them.
1: Yeah, it was surreal, especially as a therapist, right? Cuz you're like <laughs> I know exactly what I would tell somebody else.
0: But it's just not for me. I mean, there's got to be something else for me, right? Like that can't apply to just me. Yeah.
1: The weirdest experience it really is. It's just surreal. Um, you know, the most surprising thing is I went again, I, I I talk about this in the introduction. It kind of sets the foundation for the book, but i I really just started asking God questions because I just thought, well, head knowledge right now isn't cutting it. It's not like I questioned, you know, I think as we grow in our faith, I don't I wasn't questioning God. I wasn't questioning what I believe to be true. But all of a sudden, I had to refilter all of these questions through a whole different experience mm. of trauma. and, I started asking God these questions, and I started writing them down. And I tell this one in particular, where kind of in the middle of the hayfield, my husband was fly fishing, and I was just still kind of recovering. And and I just said, God, what do you what do you want from me? What do you want for my life? And all of a sudden, there's new meaning to you know being here on this planet. Yeah. You know? um, it was this sense of, Allison, I know you. We we've been walking together. A long time and I think what I learned about myself in that was how so often I've hidden a little bit I've kind of been like it's like as a parent my kids are older now you change how you relate to them all of a sudden I'm not te- when my kids come to me back like, I don't know what to do I'm like well you should do it's like let's talk about it what do you think what are the options what are what have you learned about yourself what are your gifts what do you you know you change when your kid is 22 Coming to you with a problem, mm. how you approach it. And that's what I experienced with God. Mm. It was just this whole like, you know, some things about yourself, Allison. Here's what you know, you know, it was just a whole different kind of conversation. And it was so freeing. I that whole process led to this freedom of I I really know myself for better and for worse. So getting to know
0: your, you know, the good and the bad, right? And even the the analogy, Allison, it's so good of like how you relate to your kid. It changes over time. And as you grow and change how you relate to God and how, you know, like just paying attention to also how he's helping you unpack things because of your understanding of him, all of that is so valuable. But in what ways did it change how you approach the world in general? So you did like this internal work, right? Of like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm understanding who I am. I bet there's a lot of freedom in that. I've not experienced it yet. And so I'm kind of like, how do you get there? What's that freedom feel like? Because I know you've met with thousands of women over 20 years, right? As a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've seen these patterns that emerge mm-hmm. over time yeah. where it's not just you that struggles with that. Like I'm sitting here thinking my gosh, I, I want to get on the other side of this. Like I live in this too of like, God, hello. Like, what do I, are you going to tell me what to do? Are you going to like, show me what I need to see? What, what were some of those patterns that you had before the stroke? Mm and that have shifted mm-hmm. now after you've kind of mm-hmm. relearned who you are.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the big thing I talk about the most for me, and it, you know, I've, it's been a lifetime, you know, of trying to change, but I see it in a lot of women. I call it the armor of invisibility. Um, there's a way in which we manage other people, we manage perceptions mm-hmm. instead of showing up as we really are and forging real connections and I see it everywhere. And it's like, why do we do that? And what I mean by that is we go into and we figure out how do I get this person to see me Mm. in a certain way? Mm -hmm. How do I get this person to see me as whatever, you know, competent, kind, productive, pleasing, you know, a Mm. good Christian, uh, whatever, as opposed to showing up as we really are, Mm which might be productive, kind of, you know? but, it, but it's a subtle shift. And when there's freedom in my soul where I'm like, you know, I, I know myself, I know there are times when I'm gonna I flip into people pleaser mode. It's not that I don't, but I kind of know when I'm doing it and I can pivot more quickly. I know when I'm showing up really authentically. And the difference is I'm sort of at peace with myself and with God, either way, there's less shame, there's less self-flagellation, there's more, oh yeah, there it is, okay, let's pivot, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just a gentler way of being both with myself and with other people, when, you know, one of my family members, you know, my kids are my, you know, our kids are our worst, (laughs) you know, they see everything, you know, (laughs) and they're like, you know, you're you teach people about boundaries and that was just the worst boundary. And I'm like, you're exactly right. There's no defensiveness there. I'm like, you're exactly right. You know? And, Mm -hmm. and, and then we laugh freedom. I think in our relationships flows out of freedom in our own souls. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not that God, I say very clearly in the book, it's not that I think God sees me. He sees the bad. He sees the good, but it's without shame. Mm -hmm. It's without, it's just, honest it's real Mm -hmm. and it just changes everything in how you show up with other people so
0: you were in the hayfield and you had that conversation right (laughs) so like I've got to connect I've got to connect the dots we're in the hayfield we're like hey god I mean what I see life completely differently what am I here for what do you want me to be doing and then you get to this place of freedom where you're kind of at peace with who you are and the direction you're going what happened in between? What did the work look like?
1: Over the course of those months, I took a uh, medical leave. I, I stopped seeing clients. I cl- uh, We had moved to Wyoming. I Everything was gone. I I couldn't write. I had sort of an anxiety about writing because mm. that was what I was doing right before it happened. There were okay. all these things, yeah. right? So, I mean, I was reading, looking up at the mountains, which is a huge, you know, and talking to God. And it, so it was like all of my... The ways that I manage perceptions, all the things had been stripped away. Yeah, you know, and and it was just this weird. Every morning, just sort of here I am, here's God. We're both here together, and this peace. Mm-hmm. In the, I, I, I sometimes miss that time, mm-hmm. as painful as it was, as much as there was grief in it, as much as there was, like what is going to happen it was like everything was stripped away. And so there was this weird, almost nostalgia for, and it's all okay. It's okay. I'm here. God is here. It's okay. And so it was just a process of really being in that, feeling that, and then kind of realizing, man, you can kind of come through the bottom of something. And it, it really, the best way I can put it is that, yeah, that was a process over months. And then I slowly started to reintroduce things back into my life, but on different terms, I really paid attention. I was much more intentional. I wasn't doing things as much to, and again, you know, I think we go through seasons of this in our life. Um, But trying to be more intentional about what do I really love? What does bring me life? What does bring me joy? If I really only have this much time, what do I want to do? What do I want to say yes to? That's a big one. I asked, what do you want to say yes to? It's Mm -hmm. not about what you want to keep out. It's about what do I want to bring in? And just engaging that process very intentionally um, has just been powerful, yeah,
0: um I don't powerful. I don't think we realize how much time we spend in that like approving like area of life where we're adjusting who we are we're changing how do I need to show up for you so I will I will pick and we wonder why we're so exhausted and we wonder why we're so tired I think specifically as women it's when and I think you you talk about that quite a bit it's just like women kind of struggle the most with this of changing and and not thinking necessarily or recognizing the value of what we think or want or need in voicing that why do you think it is so hard for us to put put voice to that, to say not to what we want to keep out, because that is what we think. It's like, what do I need to say no to? I need to say no, 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 no. But what do we want to invite in? Why do we think it's not valuable to think like that?
1: Exactly. It, that was one of the impetus for the book. I was like, so many women come to me and be like, and we'll say I need better boundaries. I'm like, okay. But before we understand the boundaries, you got to understand what you what you want to protect. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah we immediately want to go to no. And it's like, well, what's really going to help you figure out how to say no is figuring out the things you absolutely are going to say yes to, because mm-hmm. right there, you're going to have to start saying these no's to protect that. Um, I think there in the book, I talk about a cocktail of codependency, a cocktail of factors that I think contribute to women, not knowing how to name what we want and need. Mm-hmm. Um, there's childhood wounds involved conditioning. I think there's some church messages that I talk about that I know affected me where things like die to yourself or deny yourself, you know, that Mm -hmm. message can get misconstrued easily for women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to have a self to know what parts of yourself you need to set aside. (laughs) And so if you don't know who you are, you might be setting aside really good aspects of yourself. And um, so that's a big part of it. I think, um, yeah, I, I think we've learned, and for so many reasons, to stay focused externally um, versus. Re- and, and then this idea of what do I want, what do I need, immediately conjures up what if I can't get what I want? Mm-hmm. What if I want to selfish? What if what I want, you know, other people don't like? Yeah. Yep. And we just haven't been taught this skill. And I always say to people, it's very small steps. I'm not. I'm not saying go in and blow up your relationships. But there's little tiny ways that we mm. all the time don't just answer a question, honestly, authentically. Um, and we've just been conditioned for so many reasons not to do that. And it's so
0: uncomfortable too. I mean, to to voice that, you know, you don't want to do that, or you you might need this, like I squirm at the thought of it, because I've always, you know, even as a kid all the way up, like I'm concerned with is everyone in this scenario? Okay, is everyone comfortable? And so the thought of not doing that, (laughs) it makes me uncomfortable. Because I'm thinking someone else is going to be uncomfortable, right? I think you mentioned that when you said, we think about what other people are going to think about these boundaries or about what we're going to put in place. So Mm -hmm. do you think that's the main reason why we so often give up before we really figure out what needs to heal or, you know, before we really figure out who that self is or what do we want to protect when we bring in these boundaries? Do you think it just, we give up because we're uncomfortable or, I mean, do you think there's more to it?
1: Yeah. I think we, when you've been conditioned, especially since childhood to make sure everyone in the room around you is okay. It's a new muscle you have to build. Mm. It takes work. I remember when I, I kind of hit rock bottom and burnt out in my early thirties, this was another pivotal moment for me, and I realized I was like, I never, I only know up how, I only know how to show up and put the focus on someone else. Yeah, I yeah. literally do not know how to answer a question. It's like deer in the headlights if someone says, "What do you think? What do you feel?" You know. Yes. And I, I really burn out. I hit rock bottom. And, and I really thought, you know, really part of me was like, this is how I'm supposed to be. This is what is Christ like, you know, and it was like a little literal, you know, I was like, no, actually (laughs) you do need to bring your own self into your relationships. And so I had to learn. And I remember vividly, I was making a new friend and I remember this so vividly and she was really fun. And she would invite me to do all these things. We're both in our thirties. We're both still single. And I remember thinking to myself, I've, I've done this now numerous times, but in this, I thought, I need to invite her to do something I like to do. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. And that's a tiny little thing, but it was this idea of, you know, it only, if it's all in her terms, if I just do it ever, she, she'll be my friend. And that was like, but then that's not really a friendship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's this fear. And that's just that one example. If I were to say, Hey, what would you think about doing this? And then you imagine applying this to your spouse or to, you know, what well, could we do this? Now, in that case, she was like, awesome. I'd love yeah. to try that. And we became really good friends. I've had other instances where I've done that. And they're like, no. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They don't want to They don't want to get to know me. They don't want to do something that I want to do. It's just a little bit of, a. I don't want to say test, but it is a little bit of a, it's more of a test of me. Mm-hmm. Am I going to come to the table and say, you know, I don't actually enjoy that activity. Yeah. You know, um. It's very small. It starts off really, really small with just inserting a little more of who we are and kind of seeing how do people respond? Because sometimes people do respond like, ew, or, you know, I don't want that. And then we have to remind ourselves, well, why would I want to be in a relationship with someone that isn't interested Mm -hmm. in me? It is so
0: similar. It's some of the best advice and I've used this advice over and over again and have it given back to me multiple times. But it's that start out as you mean to go, like even with the friendship that you were starting is you you didn't want to mention these things because you wanted to the friendship to grow. You want and then you said, why would I want to be friends with someone who didn't like this, this and like, why is that so important to me? It's just that that mentality of if you start authentic and honest, then you don't have to try to like backtrack. (laughs)
1: So much harder to backtrack.
0: Yes. I'd be like, I actually don't like going for a back rub in the middle of the mall. I think it's really weird, but (laughs) I just did it because I wanted us to be friends. Um, And I think a lot of it, you talked about it and you mentioned it earlier, but you mentioned it in the book as well, this um, cocktail of codependency that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pieces to it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. will you go into that a little more just maybe lay some ground rules for Mm -hmm. us like what's the difference between being kind and helpful and really there for somebody versus Mm -hmm. this this codependent um nature that can so easily come out
1: yeah it's the the fine line that we cross when we move into codependency is we're actually rejecting ourselves or betraying ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So we're so focused on someone else that we will push our own selves completely aside for that person. Now, there's a lot of times where I will from my with my whole self impact be like, man, I'm tired today. But I see that my kid is hurting. And of course, it's the right thing to do to set myself aside and go be present to my friend or my neighbor or my Mm -hmm. child who's hurting. That's not that's a very different thing. Codependency is a chronic pattern of betraying yourself, of leaving behind and pretending really to be somebody you're not. And the, the thing is, it's, it's, it's a million tiny steps. Nobody sets out to do this. This sure. is a trauma. It's a conditioned response that you learned since childhood of figuring out how to shape shift, how to camouflage, mm-hmm. how to show up in ways that make other people feel good to where you don't even realize anymore like we said, I don't even know what I actually want. I don't Mm -hmm. even know what I actually prefer or need in this situation. I just know I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. That's how, Mm -hmm. you know, women. I I just know I'm miserable. I just know I feel invisible. I just know nobody really knows me. And then it's like, okay, well, it starts with you. Change starts with you. You know, you have to start letting yourself be seen and that doesn't mean that the people around you will automatically be like, amazing. They might not. Mm-hmm. But, and that's what's, that's the work of healing yeah. is to begin to show up and learn, go on that exploration of learning mm-hmm. who you really are and what you really like.
0: And, and instinctually, I remember going through this season where I would come home and I would tell my husband, like, I don't really like who I am. Like, <laughs> what's required of me, I don't like what it makes me. Um, and it was because of, this this sense of codependency of i'm going to put everything that i'm thinking and that i'm feeling and that i want to voice i'm going to push it aside for the sake of the circumstance or the situation and it's like you said it wasn't a one time deal i was doing it all the time and what i wanted yes. to do initially was point to the circumstance and be like well y'all are making me do this you know like this situation is making me do this but it's exactly what you just said it starts It starts with you. There's something going on here in you that has to shift before you can look outward at anything else Um, because it is a pattern. It's this cycle that keeps going. And I think we sometimes just call it, well, we're people pleasers. Well, it's a little deeper than that, I think. And it is, you know, and how people, what they think and say impacts you. So what are some ways that maybe we can stop those harmful cycles? Cause I'm still, I'm just now getting to the point that I even, can step away from it and be like, okay, if what I'm about to say or do or think or go, I'm not going to like who I am on the other side of it, that I'm not going to do that thing. Like I can just now yeah. start identifying what will lead that to. So if someone's listening, they're like, I do that. I see that cycle in my life. What do we need to keep in mind, you know, when we want to make changes, but maybe others might not accept the changes. And what does that look like that process?
1: I think number one is the awareness uh, of what you just said. I don't want to be this way anymore. Whether I don't like myself, whether I'm exhausted, whether I feel lonely, whether I feel like nobody really understands me because they don't really know me. That awareness of change starts with me. Mm -hmm. We can't change anybody else, but we can change ourselves. Number two, get really granular about where you feel that way the most. Is it at work? Is it in your family? Is it with a certain friend? And then challenge yourself in that situation, you've got to go in armed, because this is conditioning, Mm -hmm. right? Our nervous system is doing this automatically, this is an automated response, typically. And so we have to learn, it's not so much just telling ourselves, we actually have to do something physiological to inhibit, I always talk about inhibiting the impulse. And so it's like, I will tell myself sometimes, when I know I'm going to be triggered in the situation to go into, we call it fawning. it's a fear response, it's a survival response. Um, that's deeply ingrained in the nervous system, I will tell myself, I'm not allowed to say a yes or a no. Mm-hmm. I'll give myself a rule or I have to take a deep breath and pause 10 seconds before offering to help someone or before chiming in. And all that does is I slow down. I go in, slow down. I've already slowed down my nervous system. I've already gone in with more intention. I'm already more present to myself. You know, and in that moment when I'm going to be tempted... To overextend or whatever, even if I can just take a deep breath, somewhere in that pause—I mean, that's just the babyest of baby steps—but mm-hmm. somewhere in that pause, I'm feeling what it feels like to be myself in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think it just start, starts so, so in such small ways. I think if we go in with this big, like, "I'm just going to show up as I really am," yeah. You know? That can be an overcorrection, too. That can be putting on a a, a different kind of armor. My way or the highway or, you know, that's another extreme. That isn't exactly what we're talking about either.
0: Mm -hmm. That's I had a friend point out to me, I was about to go into a big meeting. And I was very nervous because I had started to notice my patterns of I'm just going to like pander and I'm going to change and I'm going to alter what I really think. And she was like, all I can say to you is just say less. I mean, I, cause she knew that I have this ability to keep talking my way, like to where everything's okay. She said, you just, you need to say less. You just need to take it in and ask questions and just, don't make any statements. Don't say yes or no. Don't do any of that. Just ask a whole lot of questions. And that's like, slowly, that's the only way I could trust myself again is when yes. I would stop talking so much.
1: <laughs> it's, I love that I will say to people have some scripts. Oh, I'm just in listening mode today. I'm just kind of quiet today, you know, give yourself some mm-hmm. scripts so that when that, you know, people are like, why are you different? Or what is going on? I'm just And because you don't also want to spill your whole, you know, it's just like, just listening mode today. Thanks for asking. Yeah. (laughs) But even then that, practice that muscle, right? Yes. And it's feel so weird. Yes. And sometimes it can
0: feel like even when you're trying to do these changes for yourself, or you're trying to like make big changes, it can feel selfish. And I know that you talk a little bit about this, that some people might say, well, these are this is selfish to want to do this. How do we battle that feeling? Because women, I, I think necessarily a lot of women feel shame and guilt the easiest, like, it can it can happen very quickly. And so if someone's like, hey, you're, you're kind of selfish with wanting to do this, you immediately let that shame and guilt start making decisions instead of where you wanted to start. So how do you battle that, that premise that people say, well, this is selfish?
1: Yeah, we don't want to disappoint other people. And, you know, that's a strong driver. One of the things I talk about is making peace with disappointing other people. Mm -hmm. So the way that I go into that, I, I, I talk about the word selfhood, which is a word psychologists use, and selfhood, true self, showing up as yourself, is neither being selfish, nor is it being selfless. It's selfish is it's it's my way of the highway. Mm-hmm. It's I'm going to do what I want to do, and that and that's not what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Selfless is it's always about other people. That's not healthy. That's a road trip to burnout. Mm-hmm. Selfhood true self, which is, I believe the model we see in Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you think about how Jesus showed up with people, Mm -hmm. he was not a doormat. No. Yeah. Selfhood is showing up in any relationship and knowing there are two people here in any situation really who have perspectives. And Mm -hmm. I am one of those people. It doesn't mean I'm not going to listen to and figure out how to respond to the person in front of me. But I'm also going to listen to and figure out how to respond to myself.
0: Mm-hmm. It's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and we need it.
1: We have to have that.
0: Yeah. So that you don't get home and think, I didn't really like myself today. Or I didn't. Like, I wish that had gone differently. It's especially in the South, especially in like our Southern churches. <laughs> you're just, you're automatically selfish. But you're right. Jesus had boundaries. Jesus had rhythms that he protected and that he didn't let anyone else infringe on. And that's where I want to lean into a little bit on the practical side. Because a lot of what you are talking about is these boundaries, these healthy Mm -hmm. rhythms. So how do we practically start, you know, healing and setting these boundaries? I went on a walk with a friend last week and she was like, I hear what you're saying about how I need boundaries, but I feel like I've already set the wrong boundaries. Like I have boundaries. Mm. They're just the wrong ones. And I don't know how to back them up. I don't know how to get out of it. And I thought that was such a valuable question because how many of us find ourselves like, these are not good boundaries, you know, like, you, or maybe there's none at all, and you've already created a precedent. So, how do you kind of heal that and then settle into new ones?
1: Yeah, we've trained people to treat us in certain ways. Exactly. Yeah. And it's really painful to realize when you, it, it's healthy to realize I can't no longer, can, you said it, I can no longer blame everybody else mm-hmm. because in many ways I've trained them to have this expectation of me, how do I now change? Well, there's a couple of ways. Number one, you've got to figure out the type of relationship. Is this your husband? Is this your children? Is this your, then you need to give them a label. You need to say, listen, I'm learning some things. I need to try to do some things differently. You know, here's what's going on with me. And it's, it's, and and can you, can you support me in this? I'm not going to get it right the Mm -hmm. first time, but I am going to try to change. You know, you might have to have a conversation, right? If you're talking about someone who's toxic, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you're going to start to change your action or even maybe they're not even toxic, but someone that you actually don't want that close in your life. Mm -hmm. Think about it. And I always say this to people. I'm like, if, if someone, if you can have a really healthy conversation with somebody about your boundaries, you're in a healthy space. You're going to be able to change your boundaries with them. If you can have the conversation, if if communication isn't an option, Mm -hmm. Then you have to use actions, and that's really hard for people because if you're trying to change your boundaries in the sense of I got to get out of a couple of things, you don't want to go to that person and have this long conversation because that's bringing you closer to that person. Mm, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so in in the book, I go through scripts and actions in those situations where it's something like, let me give you an example. I've realized that I need to meet with a group. Let's say it's a small group. I need to meet with a group that is dealing with these particular things. I've loved being a part of this group. I'm not going to be a part of it anymore. I'm going to move in this direction, but I'm so grateful for this time we've spent together. You're going to them with a very clear statement. It's a boundary, but instead of going to them and saying, you don't do it this way, and so therefore I'm saying no to you, you go to them saying, here's what I've decided I need. Yeah therefore, I'm not going to be present. I'm not going to be showing up for this group anymore. Yeah,
0: that's good. It's
1: a totally different conversation. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. you're not, it's not open for debate. You're not asking for permission. It is a boundary. And that's why I would say you start with yes, you go, what is it that I do need to move toward? Then you go back to, you know, and say, this is what I'm moving toward. And as a result, I've got to say, note of this. Mm-hmm. And and it just it just shifts the tone of that conversation.
0: Yeah, would you say that it gets easier like with most things in life? It gets easier the more you do it because I mean you mentioned we're recreating these pathways. We have these habits that we've been doing for so long, we've conditioned ourselves. So we have to condition ourselves to do something else. So with time, would you say hey, kind of hold the course because it's going to be really, you're going to squirm the first few times. It's
1: so squirmy.
0: Yeah, but but you're going to start noticing.
1: And and it's a muscle you have to develop. In chapter nine, I go through this whole thing of learning to negotiate new boundary lines and old relationships. Oh, yeah. And it all starts with shifting from you never, you know, trying to get the other person to change to what do I actually want? Yeah. And when you can get to the, what I really want, is this you have to then it's so much more vulnerable it's so much scarier yeah. to go to the person and be like i need more of this could we try this and they may say yes or no and that's painful and you may find out they don't actually care about what you yep. want and that's really hard or they might say great but it all comes back to this what do i actually want yes and then how do i communicate that in my relationships, whether I'm saying to somebody, I hope will join me there, or whether I'm saying to someone, this is what I need. And as a result, I'm not going to be as present here.
0: Yeah. What, why does that question feel so overwhelming? though? what do I want? Because even I'm uncomfortable even thinking and I always have been I, I sat in, I've sat in offices before. And the question is, well, what do you want? And I'm like, it it overwhelms me. It just, I don't want to answer that because it feels too big of a question. Why does that feel so overwhelming to have to answer?
1: I think as women, we were never taught that skill as children. If you think about parenting your own children, you know, we weren't, and if you add the Christian overlay, and then you add the cultural overlay, I think it's changing um, and probably in some ways going too far the other extreme, but, but there is that way of you don't learn it's a skill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we're not taught, it's okay to say, "Hey, what I really want." You know, think about a young child. What I really want is this, even if we can't give them that. We never want them to feel shame mm-hmm. for naming yeah. that.
0: Yes, and that's so, so good. And so many of us were
1: either shamed. We just learn. Well, I don't even think that yeah. way. I don't even, you know, we have to retrain ourselves to go. It's okay to go. What do I actually want? You know, and in your relationship, you know, you might have to say, I need to get back to you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to think about that for a couple of days. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to think about that. I just don't know. There's no shame in that. Yeah. But then really spending some time trying to get to the root of it.
0: It's just that's so good because you're not taught to identify the want. Mm-hmm. It's just, you're told yes or no. Like it's a vague understanding and then yes or no to that. Um, and so then you start really trying to understand you or you stop trying to understand what you want because what's yeah. the point, you know, you can't ever quite figure it out. That's, yeah. that's really powerful. Allison. you finished this book, best of you. What does it feel like to know and understand the best of yourself and to show up in the world that
1: way? To me, the, the best of you is freedom that's that's the best word I know. It's the freedom to know. It's not a persona that's like, this is my best self. Yeah, (laughs) sure. (laughs) It's not that. Yeah. I went round and round with, uh, you know, as we were thinking of the title, I was like, it's not the best you, you know, Yeah. Um, it's the best of you is that you inside that is kind of sometimes shaking your head at yourself, going there she goes yeah you know? sure and it's, but it's loving it's compassion mm-hmm. it's i see you i know you and man, there you're shining and oh yeah oh boy there she goes off on that pleasing yeah. tangent but she'll pull it in because she knows now how to do it mm-hmm. she knows how to come back to true north she knows how to come back to home base she knows how to reconnect to god it, it's the freedom of just kind of that trusting yourself, not that you're always going to yeah. get it right, but trusting yourself that you know how to course correct. You know how to come back to true North. You have the skills. Um, it's freedom. Yeah. You and, know? and it's, it's that peace that be. comes
0: along with it of like, okay, I'm, I got that wrong a little bit, but that's okay because there's going to be a new morning and a new opportunity. And we, we're going to learn from that. We're going to keep going. I just, I love that um, feeling and that it's not something you necessarily have to chase, but it's something you can grow into. That's right. You know, it's something you can grow into and that you can just be um, and that it's not a persona. I think that's so great. We always say your best self, your best self. Well, I mean, that's, there's a lot of pieces, but you're not always going to be your best. I mean, there's the
1: the best of me is when I can be with myself when I'm sad or when I'm angry. You know, it doesn't, it's not always, you know, perfect. It's not perfection. Yeah, Yeah. it is what you said. It's being at peace with myself. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so good. Okay, Allison, I don't know if you remember, but we end every episode with one question. And it's what's well, one thing that you're so happy someone did tell you about.
1: There's a ritual app that someone told me about that I really like that is a, in the morning. She reads out loud a scripture three different times with moments for a pause. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been life-giving to me.
0: Mm. Um, what's the name yeah, of that? Is it called ritual? It's called, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's great. There's that's something better. about intentional mornings, like just... Something one one part of your routine that's super intentional is so powerful.
1: Yeah, and I like I like it listening. and learn that it's a new thing for me to listen mm. to the word in the morning. Um, so that's been really I a, a love cool that. thing someone told me about.
0: Okay, Allison, where can we find you? Where can we find the book? All of the good <laughs> stuff. How do we get to it?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. DrAllisonCook.com is my website. If you go to DrAllisonCook.com backslash book super excited to get it into your hands oh allison thank thank you you
0: so much for jumping back on here with us it was every time i talk with you it's like i just want to come to your home and and sit by you look at the mountains with you and tell you all of my (laughs) deepest darkest secrets and let you help me fix them that's all i want (laughs) thanks so much allison we appreciate you
1: thank you